thrilled that you're here. We want to let you know we're a church that strives to be simply about Jesus. We don't want to be about anything else because we believe that when you encounter him, it changes everything. So that's why we're building our foundations in him and we're expecting God to do more and more in our lives and through us and in us as a church. Um, quick announcements before we move into our time in a word this morning. Uh, last night, my wife asked me, <laughs> I feel bad she's right there. She's looking at me like, oh my gosh, you're doing it again. Yes, yes, yes. It's called the power of the microphone. Um, my wife asked me about this thing on my face. She was like, so are you going to shave that? And I was like, nah. And she's like, is it going to be gone by Christmas? I said, no, I don't know. We'll see. So here's the deal. This is for a reason. Because we're ending the Church for Monday series today. And we're launching a new series next Sunday. Um, that's called Respect the Beard. Okay? <laughs> And so it's, it's, it's going to be a fun series, but it's going to be a very challenging series as well because we're going to be in the book of Proverbs looking at certain things that talks about how to live a wise life. And one of the things that we're going to learn is that in ancient Israel, the um, reason why they grew their beard so long was because it was, a symbolic, um, it was a symbolic sign. How about being redundant this morning, right? See, I need Proverbs that would cause the, or close the gap from their head to their heart. And so that's why they would grow their beards out, because it was a sign of applied wisdom, okay? And so here's what we're doing, and here's the reason why this has been growing for the last six months, is because, <laughs> okay, we, I need you to be with me this morning, okay? Uh, is that we're going to have a beard of the week challenge, okay? So regardless, if you can grow a beard, we're not going to, you know, discriminate, but if you can grow a beard, and if you know someone with a beard, or you meet someone with a beard, let's just say you're out to eat at Torchy's Tacos, and you see a guy with a great beard, even though you can't grow one, take the picture, send it in, okay? Give us your name and contact. We're going to have a beard of the week challenge. Each week, there's going to be a winner who has the greatest beard, so guys, um, start growing that thing out, and at the end of the series, we're going to have a beard of the sermon series, and you're going to get a gift and all kind of stuff, so do it. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for it. Um, last but not least, um, at 12.30 after this service, two things are happening. One, there's going to be a baptism in the courtyard. I want to encourage you to go out there and hear a story of life change and support one of ours out there. Um, secondly, back in here at 12.30, we're going to have a family meeting, okay? We're going to talk about what we sense the Lord doing in our heart as a church and how you can come alongside and join us in what the Lord is doing. Now, um, I want to give this church my gratitude and thanks I think this is awesome and it's a great segue into our last message in the series this morning. We challenged you all um, a few weeks ago to go above and beyond our generosity and our giving for Operation Christmas Child. I, we had a challenge of saying, let's break the record. The previous record that this church has had with Operation Christmas Child was 230 boxes. I said, hey, let's everybody in this church do at least two boxes, et cetera, et cetera. Hey, I'm thrilled to tell you we smashed that goal by a long shot. We are well over 500 and more and more keep coming in today. Yeah, I think that's awesome. And here's, here's one of the things that I love what happens when people start to hear about Jesus and the generosity of the gospel and it starts to grab our hearts, this is awesome. This is a story of a young boy in our church. His name is Judah. He had a desire and he set himself a goal weeks ago to pack 50 shoe boxes himself. This boy. And so he did like, you know, I love it. It's like they did like bake sales and other things. And he raised above and beyond enough money to do 50 boxes. So he did like, I think it was like 56 or 60 boxes. And I'm like, that's awesome. 
This is what happens when God's grace, when God's message of generosity grabs our heart because here's what's profound about this. Not only are we giving kids around the world gifts, maybe their first time they've ever got a Christmas gift, but what's attached to these boxes is the gospel message. And so we're going to pray for them. And we're going to pray that God opens their eyes of these little ones, little boys and girls around the world, that they would see Jesus for the first time and that their lives would be changed. And not only that, by their lives giving, uh, being transformed by Jesus Christ, that they would start to uh, affect their parents, their moms and dads, their grandpas and grandmas, aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and cousins, and that whole villages and communities would be transformed through the power of Jesus Christ. Small little thing, but not to God. Okay, so we're going to pray for them right now. So Father, thank you so much for putting on the heart of Samaritan's Purse to launch this initiative. And Lord, thank you that we get these opportunities just to come alongside in a very small way, in a small sacrifice for us. And it's really, honestly, it's not even a sacrifice. But it's just a way for us to come alongside, Lord, to, to give good, to bless others. But Lord, we also know that the opportunity to hear about Jesus is right there. So, Father, we pray that your spirit would go before these boxes, start working in people's hearts. Lord, we pray for these little ones, these little boys and girls who will be receiving this. God, I ask that when they see these gifts, that somehow they would make the connection that it's from you, and they would make the connection that the greatest gift is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we ask that you would do a tremendous work around the world this year, this Christmas, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So um, the first two services, I'm just going to let you know, I got a little riled up, went a little long. That's because we're talking about something that is very important for us. We've been in a series called Church for Monday. And the premise of this whole series, right, is that we all have a Monday. Every single one of us, as we walk out of here, we're going to move into our Monday world. And we've been using that definition or, or that word, Monday world, to define it's the world that we live in, right? It's where we work. It's where we go to school. It's the, the sports games. It's our friendships. It's our families. It's the arenas by which we do life. And we've been saying that we need to close the gap from Sunday to Monday, from what happens here. We need to close the gap and begin to live out our faith in a very transformative way on Monday. And so we've been talking about certain topics that have been really powerful, um, that if we begin to actually apply them, it should really change our lives, not just our lives, but the communities around us. And so we've been talking about things like your calling, right? When you start talking about what you're called to, we're not talking about like if you're called to be a banker, a teacher, a realtor, a stay-at-home mom, or whatever it is. Like those are all important. You all have gifts and talents and dispositions, but those are the environments by which you live out your primary calling, which is a follower of Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, your top calling, your top priority is to be a disciple, someone who follows Jesus, who does what he does, who imitates his way of life. That's our calling, and we live that out in all of the arenas that we live in in our Monday world. And that's why we talked about, that's why we need to carry our cross. We need to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and choose to follow him daily. Daily. That means every moment and every opportunity is a moment or an opportunity for us to grow closer to Jesus and for us to serve him and others. Everything is fair game at that point. And the reality is, listen, we're not carrying our cross here on a Sunday. We're not paying a price here on a Sunday. The reality is that happens when we walk out of here on Monday. 
And that's why we talked about we need to be yoked to Jesus. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. We don't do this alone. We follow him. He does it with us, right? We take our cues from him. We join him in his task. And that's why we said our story needs to be enveloped in a greater story. And that's why we need to be rooted in the Bible. We got to take all of our cues and all of our worldviews and all of our paradigms and shape it through what Jesus says through his word. This is so important for us. We can't just come and take a little snack here on Sunday and expect to live a faithful and godly life all the other days. We got to have this discipline of rooting ourselves into God's word. And then we talked about the fact that our Monday needs a great Sunday. And that was, that was probably my favorite message because once I said that point, everybody went, we're talking about Monday, so why are we talking about Sunday? Because the reality is we need each other. Hebrews tells us that we shouldn't give up in the habit of meeting each other to encourage each other, and all the more as we say the day of the Lord approaching. Like church really isn't an option. You can choose to follow Jesus and not go to church, but that's not really the best option option. And so we need to gather together to be reminded of who we are and who he is of the hope that we're called to and to be sent out and live out faithful, faithfully out on our Monday worlds. And so we concluded the last two weeks, last week and this week, talking about what does it mean to seek the good of the city? What does it mean to live, living with the greater good in mind? And last week, Chad did a great job of walking us through the Good Samaritan of looking at people and extending mercy in a time of need. How do we go beyond ourselves to expend ourselves on other people? And this morning, we're going to talk about a message that I know a lot of people, especially in the church world, kind of cringe at. Because it's not like it's an uncomfortable topic or we're like, how dare you talk about it? It's more like one of those things where you go, yes, I know I should be doing more of it. Oh, I feel so bad and so guilty. I don't want to talk about it again. All right, all right. One of those things. And I want you to hear this right now. We're not trying to guilt you. We're not trying to shame you. We're not trying to make you think that you need to do more and do more and do more. What we're trying to do is to remind every single one of us, myself included, of the beauty, the simplicity, and the necessity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here's how we're going to craft this morning, okay? The point of this morning is this. The gospel is not only good news on Sunday, it's good news on Monday. Just revel in that for a moment. It's not just good news on Sunday. It's good news on Monday. It's meant to influence our Monday world. The gospel is relevant in our Monday lives. And I know there's some people in this room who don't think that. They go, yes, it's kind of compartmentalized, like Sunday's important, I come, I connect my heart with God, but Monday's a totally different world, my job is totally disconnected. In fact, you might even think that it's not to be, but for some reason, just because of the grind and the routine of life, we slip back into thinking that it's just about this, and some, oh yeah, how do I bring my faith in? Does it even matter? Should I even share my faith with the people around me? The gospel is good news on Monday. Imperative for us to understand this. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 10 this morning. And as we jump into this, I want to read for us verses 8 through 13. And I want to teach us and show us why the gospel is relevant, okay? uh, Romans chapter 10, verse (coughs) 8. But what does it say? 
The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel is good news on Monday. Now, I want to challenge you, okay? If the gospel is a commodity to you, if it's just for you and how it just enhances your life and makes you a good person and a better person, listen, this message, it's going to feel kind of guilty, okay? You're going to feel a little bit guilty. You might even be frustrated with me. But if we understand that our calling is to be a disciple, this message is meant to stir us up and to challenge us. If we see the gospel only as important on Sundays, it's a shallow and incomplete gospel, If the gospel we believe in is a single-use-only message, meaning I believe in Jesus, I confess with my mouth, I believe in my heart, I'm saved from the fires of hell, now I can choose to live any way I want, it's an incomplete and shallow gospel. In fact, I would challenge you to reflect on your life and see if you actually believe in the true gospel of Jesus. Is there fruit in your life that reflects that you are indeed made alive in Jesus? The gospel is very comprehensive. It covers every aspect of our lives. Every aspect of of our lives. It's not a single-use-only gospel. Because when we call upon the name of the Lord Jesus to save us, to move us from death to life, that's just the beginning. We are now called to preach the gospel to ourselves daily. I know you might be sick of me saying this, but you've got to understand this. This is something that's near and dear to my heart. I'm going to say it a few times this morning. You never graduate from the gospel. This is the foundation of our faith. We build everything off of the gospel, and we need to preach it to ourselves daily because when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, we now have access to the throne of grace. We can come at any time, at any moment. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We will never be separated from the love of God. He is faithful and just. He cleanses us all in righteousness. We are able to call out on the name of the Lord Jesus all the time, at any moment. It's all pervasive. Every aspect, everything in your life should be seen through the lens of the gospel of Jesus. It's not just good news once. It's good news always. Always. It's absolutely relevant in your Monday world. And I want to show you why. Verse 11 and 12. For the scripture says, if you are the underlining, note-taking type, this first word right here, everyone, is an important word. For the scripture says, everyone. That's one of those words in the Bible that we just kind of whoosh, fly right through. It's like the famous John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he so you know, loved us and gave his one and his only <laughs> Wow, I butchered that. <laughs> Stick to the text, Brandon. Right? Everyone. That's everyone. That's everyone in your Monday world. Every person. Every boss. Every teacher. 
every neighbor, everyone. At one point, you and I were an everyone, right? The gospel is for all people. We have to be reminded of this because for some reason, we so think all the time that it's just, like we know it's not just about me, but we walk out of here on a Sunday going, how can I follow Jesus? What is it like for me? It's got to be me and Jesus. I got to grow in Jesus. And we fail to remember that it's about everyone. All the people around you. It's for all people. And the gospel doesn't segregate peoples. It just doesn't do it. Look at this. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is, look at this, again, circle and underline this word, no distinction between Jew and Greek. At that point in this context, they thought there was a massive distinction. But there isn't. He's like, no, there is no distinction. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. Everyone who believes, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. All who call on him. Folks, listen. If you're not a Jew, you're a Greek. That's who you are represented in this thing. And at one point, you were an everyone. Praise be to God that someone told you about Jesus. The gospel is for all people at all time. It doesn't take into consideration race. It doesn't take into consideration ethnicity. It doesn't take into consideration economic status. It doesn't take into consideration if you're a respectable person or not a respectable person, a good person or not a good person. It doesn't even take into consideration your political choice. None of that matters. It's for all peoples. The only thing that separates us from Jesus, from the gospel, is our own defiance and disbelief. It's not where you're born. It's not your gender. It's not your skin color. It's not how much money you have. It's not how great or how not great of a sinner you are. It, none of that. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. The only thing that separates us is our own defiance and disbelief. In other words... The only thing keeping you from the wholeness of life that Jesus offers you, ta-da, is you. That's it. And all peoples, all places, all time have been doing this. And Romans, if you were to study Romans from chapter 1 all the way up to 10, it's made it clear, all have fallen short. All are under God's wrath. But God made a way. God made a way. And the gospel is for all people. It's for all people. The gospel is good news. The gospel reminds us, right? It reminds us that we are no longer defined by our shame. We are no longer defined by our sin, our guilt. We're not defined by our success, our regrets, our resume. None of that. We are defined by Jesus and Jesus alone. We are defined by his life, his death, and his resurrection. So let's just take a poll right now in this room. And I want you to participate with me, okay? Every single one of you participate. Right now, who in this room, okay, has never, okay, that's the key word, who in this room has never struggled with either the shame of not being good enough or the burden of needing to be good enough? Who in this room has never struggled with that? 
hmm, seems like you need a savior. What about the people in this world, in your Monday world? What happens to us when we feel like we have to prove ourselves, gain things ourselves, try to figure out who we are on our own? Do we not take all these destructive paths? Are we not lost and wandering in need of a Savior? How about everyone in your Monday world? This is important for us. The gospel is for all people. It's for all people. So how does this shape and impact our Monday worlds? Think about it this way. Do you see that in the gospel, your worth, your value, your joy, and your identity is established and secured by Jesus and not how you perform on Monday? You see how that can change how you see your Mondays, right? Like when the gospel of God's grace and his love has so captivated your heart and you realize, oh my goodness, I can't believe how much he loves me, doesn't give you like this ability and desire to love others. When you're reminded of God's forgiveness in your life, like when, when you go, oh my goodness, I can't believe he actually forgave me. Like he knows all of my sin. He knows all of my thoughts and yet he still loves me. Like when you experience that type of forgiveness, doesn't that give you the capacity and the capability to forgive other people? Like even when you're reminded that the man that you follow, Jesus, he displayed his power and his, and his authority through his humility and service. We no longer have to assert our power over others. We don't have to put down others to get ahead. We don't have to use our position or our privilege to prove to others that we're something. No, we serve in humility to bless and to liberate others through Jesus. This is why the gospel is so relevant in our Monday world. The gospel is for all people and it's also for all of life. It's for all of life. Now, here's the part of this passage that gets hard. Because we read this, we're like, oh yeah, 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 of course. It's for all people, this and this. It covers everything. But it's this section that we go, skip. Here it is. Let's start with verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Don't forget that verse. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Powerful rhetorical questions. We cannot escape the reality that Paul assumes human responsibility here. Both on the sharing and the receiving. I mean, this is tough because you study Romans, you go, okay, we're all sinners, we're all falling short of the glory of God, there's no one who seeks God, and God is sovereign, He elects, and He's chosen, and all this kind of stuff. We see this power of God's sovereignty, but then at the same time, we see this tension of human responsibility, and for years and years and years, we try to manage that tension by trying to go, well, it's either this or it's that. It's like the reality is the Bible just says it's a tension that we have to manage. You can't escape it. Even if you believe fully in God's sovereignty and that he chooses who's saved and who's not. And if you believe, no, no, it's our choice. It doesn't matter. Either camp, you can't escape the responsibility to share the gospel. How else will they hear? And I know, okay, I'm just going to share with you. Here's 
it's, 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 I'm telling you, it's actually really embarrassing, but I just want to share with you sometimes my way of thinking when I read this. I'm like, God doesn't need me. Like, are you really telling me that if I don't share with so-and-so, his chances of hearing the gospel are forever gone? Of course not. And like, I'm finding all of these ways to justify my way out of doing it. Even though it might be true. I'm just trying to cloak my, my lack of responsibility in theological sophistication. Anyone else? <laughs> Come on, respond. Don't make me feel so bad. Look at, look at how the church grew in Acts. You, you see over and over and over that people responded to the gospel after they heard. And who was going to tell them? People who understood their primary calling as a disciple, which then they understood that we are sent. Because right away in Acts 1, we're told that the Spirit would empower them to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And praise the Lord that they did. We still have that responsibility. There's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to salvation is through Jesus. And we know that message. How dare we not share that with other people? And I'm reminded of a quote from Penn and Tiller. I don't know, you know, the magicians and all this kind of stuff. They're kind of like comic magicians. Penn, he's, he's an outspoken atheist. And I'm going to butcher this quote. So you're just going to have to hang with me because it's just popping in my head. He was uh, quoted, or um, in an interview, he was asked how he feels about uh, Christians sharing their faith with him because he, he was sharing a story about how someone in the crowd was proselytizing him, you know, forcing their, their faith on him. And he said, listen, I actually, this is kind of what he said, I actually have no respect for people of faith who don't proselytize. He goes, he said, if, 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 the, if what you believe really is a matter of heaven and hell, how much do you have to hate me to not tell me? I went, I don't know. And he, he, he kept going. He says, like, to me, it's like if I saw Joe on the road and a Mack truck was coming at him and Joe didn't believe the Mack truck was coming and yet I saw the reality of the Mack truck coming, I will throw myself and push him out of the way to save him. He says, so yes, please, people of faith, proselytize me because it's important to you. Don't disrespect me by not doing it. I was like, wow. And we make so many excuses as to not to. And I'm just going to be the first one to say, listen, I struggle with this because I still carry with me my own insecurities, my own discomfort, my own pride, my own questions, my own selfishness when it comes to this. But yet we can't get ourselves out of this responsibility. And it's not just a duty, but it's really a joy and an honor to do this. I mean, just look at one of, the, one of my favorite stories in Acts. In Acts chapter 10, there's, there's this guy named Cornelius, and Cornelius was a God-fearer. He was, he was a Greek, right? So he's not a Jewish person, and so he's not one of the people of God, but he had this, this tendency in his heart to be religious, and he was a, a God-fearer. He respected God. We don't know what his religion was, but we're told in the first three verses of chapter 10 that he was really good at giving alms. He gave good offerings, right? We like those type of people in church. Right? And he was a good person. People looked at him and respected him. He's, he's a religious man. He's a righteous person. 
he got this vision from God to go send for this man named Peter in Joppa. And so he did that, sent some people. And at the same time that God was stirring in Cornelius' heart, God was at the same time stirring in Peter's heart in Joppa as he was getting this vision from God about basically don't call you know, something that I consider clean unclean. And Peter's getting this lesson of going to the gospel is for all people. These messengers come. Peter's told by God in the vision, go with these folks. He goes, he meets Cornelius. Here's what's happening to Cornelius. And he goes, Cornelius, man, you're in. You're a good guy. Look at you. You're, you're religious. You give, you serve, you're this. You're good. Nope. He gave Cornelius the thing that was missing. And if you look at Acts chapter 10, towards the end, Peter said, he said to him, he's like basically testifying to Jesus and all the prophets and everything in the Old Testament. He's been speaking to Jesus. He's the Savior. And when Cornelius heard the gospel of Jesus, he just went, yeah. And the Spirit fell. Things changed. Right now, are there people in your heart and in your mind that you go, man, I need to, I need to tell them about Jesus? I need to take advantage of that opportunity. Are there people in your mind right now stirring? If so, what if? What if you assumed, because I believe it is, what if you go, that's God putting that person on my heart instead of your own ambition? And what if, because you never know, what if God is already stirring in that person, unbeknownst to you? We have to open our hearts and share this good news. How else will people hear unless someone is preaching? How will someone preach unless they're sent? We know we're disciples. We are sent. I remember a few stories. I'll share two different ones. Well, I'll share one. You don't need to know my process. I remember one time I was um, running on a, a... a lake path, and, and I was just, you know, praying and listening to worship music as I'm running, and I, and I felt this little nudge in my heart to talk to this person, you know, to this guy, I kind of see, you know, on the lake, and he, as I got closer, he was rowing his boat in, got on a dock, and I was like, okay, and I, I just asked him, I was like, hey, did you catch anything? And he went, nope, you want to come with me? So I, went, <laughs> so I immediately went, awesome, here comes a disciple moment, let's go out to deep water and catch a miraculous catch of fish. And I was like, but that didn't happen. We go out, and all of a sudden, he, within minutes, within minutes, he just starts to unload his life on me. I just got divorced, lost my job, I'm depressed, I don't know what to do, I don't think there's any hope in this life. And I'm going, oh, Lord, you have this one aligned, right? And I got to share the gospel with him, I prayed with him, I don't know what happened, but it was that opportunity. And I want to share with you another moment that wasn't a positive moment. A friend of mine in college, actually, he was in college, and I was a college pastor at that point. His name was Ali. He's from Saudi Arabia. And we became friends at the weight room and became weightlifting buddies. And, you know, we would spend some time learning each other's cultures. I would go to his place, and he would make some, you know, Middle Eastern food. And, you know, and I would show him brats. 
I don't know what you know what brats are down here, but we don't do brisket, but we did brats and sauerkraut, right? And so we, we would share those times. And, and every moment I would try to tell him about Jesus. And he always like, oh, yeah, 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 you know, and all this kind of stuff. And that was the year that Passion of the Christ came out. And I saw the movie and I was so riled up. I was like, I got to tell the whole world about Jesus. So I went to his apartment and he had three of his friends there. And I just started preaching. And it was really rude of me. But I was just like, whatever, you need to hear about Jesus. You got to deal with it. And he just stopped me dead in my tracks. He goes, Brandon, thank you for sharing, but you don't understand. If I say yes to Jesus, my life is over. To which my hand, I'm like, yeah, in one essence, but it's going to be new. And, you know, he's like, no, you, and he started explaining, it's like, my family will cut me off. I will no longer have financial support. And if I ever go home, they'll probably kill me. And when he said that to me, like, even though I knew that, like something just hit me and I just, I felt like I'm going to back off. And I would interact with him again, but then over some time, our friendship kind of like uh, waned a little bit and separated. And then all of a sudden, like, there was these moments where I felt like God just kept putting it on my heart and I, and I wouldn't reach out. And it was like a year and a half passed. And, and I really just felt like God's like, you got to reach out to him. You need to tell him about me and all this kind of stuff. And, and I just kept saying, no, 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 no. And I was like, I'm too busy. I got this. I got that. I got too many relationships and all this kind of stuff. And then finally, a year and a half later, I did. I was trying to get a hold of his number and I found out by a friend that he died just the week prior in a car accident. And, and like, I know my immediate guilt was like, I failed. Right? And I don't know. I was like, Lord, I pray that he's with you. I pray that something clicked in his heart. But I walked out of there knowing that I chose to say no for that time. I, I know I did, but I'm not going to put his salvation on me. I'm not doing that, but I knew I was saying no. I knew I was shrinking back from the responsibility to tell him about Jesus because of my insecurity, my fear. I didn't want to put him in an awkward spot, or whatever it was. We read this, and when you start to see the beauty of the gospel, you're like, how could I not? How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have not ever heard? How are they here without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And if you go to verse 17, he says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And in this moment, there's this beautiful little line in verse 15 where Paul says, he's quoting Old Testament, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Like that's how God sees it. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, love this verse. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, we see this little snippet, again, kind of like this, where it says that those who lead others to righteousness will shine like stars forever and ever. What a beautiful honor and joy we get to live sent lives to preach the gospel to everyone in our Monday world. And here's the deal. The gospel needs a human instrument. We need to do it. And that's why I want to say this, and this is where I'm going to end. To believe in the gospel, hear this clearly, to believe in the gospel, it comes with an obligation to the gospel. Believing in the gospel comes with an obligation to the gospel. And what I mean by that is, is seen in Acts chapter 1, or Romans chapter 1, verse 14, where Paul says, I am under obligation to both Greeks and barbarians, 
And he's speaking to a Jewish audience, so he's already assuming that he's under obligation to them. And what Paul is saying is, in essence, I am under obligation to all people to tell them about Jesus. And this word obligation is really the word debt. I'm indebted to all people. We know what it's like to be in debt, don't we? You spend what you don't have, and you're a slave to a bill, right? And there's another way to be indebted. It's when someone gives you something for the sake of someone else. You're obligated to take that and to give it to that person. That's how the gospel works. It's not just for you. The gospel has been given to you as a gift of God through his grace, and you received it by faith through Jesus, and now you're indebted to give that to everyone else. I mean, this was Paul's life. He was captivated by it. He even say it's like, I'm under obligation. Woe to me if I don't preach the gospel. I'm going to become all things to all people so that I can win as many to Jesus as possible. We are to seek the good of the city. What is the greatest good we could give Austin? What is the greatest good Austin Oaks Church could give the city of Austin? What is the greatest good that we could give our workplaces, our schools, our neighborhoods, our HOAs, our apartments, our kids' sports teams? What's the greatest good? Is it not Jesus? So here's what I want you to walk out of. I told you, I'm going long. Walk out of here this morning, accepting the responsibility to tell people about Jesus. We know it. And that's why I said, it's like one of those messages, you're like, oh, I know, I should, I should, I missed this, I'm so horrible. Move on. Accept the responsibility. And I want to give you three tips on how you can engage the gospel in your Monday world. One, know the story. You've got to know the gospel story. You've got to know what Jesus has done. You've got to know what he's done for you. You've got to know your identity in Jesus. You have to. That's why we say you never graduate from the gospel, right? You've got to preach the gospel to yourself. So here are two resources if you're the reading type. It's, one of them is called the Gospel Primer Book. It's an excellent book. Buy it, read it, it's short. It's excellent. It talks about preaching the gospel to yourself. Another one, if you're more in the devotional, it's this, uh, there's a, it's called, uh, where is it? <laughs> Sorry. I don't even know where it is. Notes to Self. That's what it's called. I can't remember the author, but it's a little devo that's talking about how do you preach the gospel to yourself day in and day out. You've got to know the story, okay? And when you start talking to people, you are rooted in the gospel. You're based upon that. It's infiltrated your life. Now you've got to know your story. Just, just for a moment, just a- a- answer this question. What does Jesus mean to you? What has Jesus done in your life? Like, why does following Jesus matter? Answer those questions. Because that's what people really want to know. What's the difference he makes in your life? I I love Jesus because the Bible told me to. Like, if you were to ask me, Brandon, why do you love your kids? 
and this is what I gave you? Uh, because you would question my integrity as a dad. The same is true of Jesus. Why do you love him? Know your story. Share that with them. Tell people what you proclaim here on Sunday, up there on Monday. And last but not least, know their story. Know their story. Get to know them. Don't just see them as people that need to be one. Like, I got to convert them. I got to prove to be right. Know their story. They're people just like you. And we all long to be loved, known, and heard. And here's the beautiful thing. When we rehearse the gospel to ourselves, we remind ourselves that we are fully known, fully loved, and heard by the God of this universe. And we get those opportunities to do that to people. So here's what I want to challenge us with. And I really want you to write this down, and I want you to share this with your small groups, with your friends, with your adult Bible fellowships, if you're in one of those. Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for? Specifically, that person who doesn't know Jesus. Who are you praying for? Don't underestimate the power of a small thing like that. Acts, the first movement of Acts was prayer. And you see prayer as part of that movement all the way through. Who are you praying for? Not only that, secondly, write down who you're going to speak with. Who are you going to take that step of courage or boldness or opportunity to speak with? Now listen, what we're not saying is you've got to throw in the gospel at every single moment you possibly can. Right? We're not saying that if you're talking about business and sales and someone says, hey, did you happen to save that quarterly earnings report from yesterday? Listen, don't say this. No, but I can tell you how you can be saved without earning anything. Don't do that. Find easy ways to bring in the message. Listen, in your Monday world, here's the deal. People are going to share with you their stresses, frustrations, their confusions, and more than likely, you're going to do the same thing. And when they start to do that, ask them, how do you deal with it? How do you cope with it? And if they're nice people, they're going to ask you, well, how do you? Great example. I pray. I don't know if you're the praying type, but I pray. And I ask God for wisdom. The Bible says that God gives wisdom to those who ask, and (laughs) he does. And not only that, he's given me the power to live it out. Just craft it differently. Find someone this week to share that with. Because here's the deal. This whole series can be wrapped up in this one line right here. Why do we need to be a church for Monday? Because we need to declare here, what we declare here on Sunday has to resound out there on Monday. And that's why I want to pray over us. That what we declare here on Sunday resounds out there in our Monday worlds. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gift of life in Jesus. We thank you for people 
like Paul who show us that it's possible to live this type of life out through the power of your spirit. So Paul, even though he even shows us in Corinthians that he came in fear and trembling and he was nervous, but he still went, he still declared the gospel. Father, may we not just take the gospel and apply it to ourselves and be selfish with it, Lord. We sit under so much preaching and there's so many people, billions of people in this world who have never heard the message of Jesus, who have never heard it clearly. So Father, I just ask that you would compel us. Would you captivate our hearts? Would you reframe how we see life? Would you make us uncomfortable in the areas where we're way too comfortable? Would you put people on our hearts? God, would you give us eyes to see people the way you see people? Speak to our hearts, Lord. And church, I want to encourage you. The way we do our worship services here is we, we like to share the word on the front side so we can spend some time responding to God in worship. And so we're creating a space for you to pray, to process, to sing, stand, sit, but don't waste this time. This isn't just songs. This isn't just part of the service. This is our moment of giving back to him, listening to him, and letting him speak into our hearts over what we've just heard. So would you engage? Father, would you show up and speak to our hearts? In Jesus' name.